Welcome to another message from LifePoint Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on LifePoint Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Steve Rains. Through the month of December, for our Christmas series, we've been talking on the subject of Struck by Glory. First week was Cosmos to Cradle. Last week we talked about Impossible to Possible. Today we want to talk about the subject of Heaven to Earth. And how many know, I mean, this is a big deal. God becoming man is, is, is huge. Jesus being born is almost hard to fathom sometimes as you think about who God is and what God did. You could say it this way as you think about the Christmas story. It's that God came to our place, Emmanuel, God with us. That He took our place. He's the Redeemer. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says that for even the Son of Man did not, uh, came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom or to redeem many, depending on the translation. So uh, He did that. He came to our place. He took our place so that we can go to His place. John chapter 14 Jesus is in conversation with some of his followers, and Jesus says this, look, I go to prepare a place for you, heaven, if you will. And I am going there, and since I'm going to prepare a place, I'm going to come to take you to that place. And then later on in chapter 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In the Old Testament, there are several different names that we see of God, and one of them is Jehovah Shammah, not to go deep into this idea of Jehovah Shammah, but, but it's within the Christmas story because Jehovah Shammah means the Lord who is there. So He is the Lord who is there in your situation right now. He's the Lord who is there in heaven right now. He's the Lord who is going bef- uh, before us. And, and we don't know all the details about the Christmas story. Right, we were laughing, or chuckle, I was chuckling to myself um, Wednesday night at the men's Bible study, just thinking about some of the nuances of of the the Christmas story and how we have kind of Americanized some of that and uh, some of the details of it and who's there and when they showed up and all that stuff. But we don't know all the details of the Christmas story. We don't know all the details of heaven. But what's really important is that you know two things. You know the way. Jesus said this, that God so loved the world, right? John chapter 3, verse 16, that He sent His one and only Son so that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but all would have eternal life or all would have the possibility of eternal life, that none would fall away. And that you would know the promise of eternal life, going back to John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. Jesus says this, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And so as I think about that, as I've thought about those statements and and the mission that Jesus was on, those two things all start with Christmas. That is what Christmas is all about. And if you get that part right, I think the rest will take care of itself if you embrace it. And when God asks someone to do something special, 
usually there's three different responses that you and I can give. And you see this throughout humanity, throughout history. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. And you see it in current times. It's the common response. You see it with Mary and Joseph in the Christmas story where you see it, and, and you see it in the Old Testament with Abraham, Moses, and, and Gideon. And here's the three responses that people often give to God. First response, I can't. Next response, I won't. Or the last option is, I will. And, and um, just say those real quick because we've all said them before, right? I can't, I won't, and I will. And you see that played out. You see it in the life of Moses where God shows up to him. You're going to deliver my people from slavery. And um, Moses' response is, I can't. I stutter. Then God comes to him and says, you're going to go before, uh, before Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. And Moses' response is, I won't. He'll kill me. And then Moses comes to a point and he says, I will. You see it in the life of Gideon as well. God comes to Gideon and he, he puts this title upon Gideon. Oh, you are a mighty man of valor. You are going to lead. And what's Gideon's response? I can't. I am the least among my people. I'm a, man, I am a nobody. I can't do it. And then God says, you will go into battle to deliver my people. And Gideon says, I won't. That's not for me. And then finally, Gideon says, I will. And God uses him greatly. And in today's text, and in the Christmas story, you see Joseph. And Joseph does the same thing. He says, I can't. She lied to me. She's pregnant. I'm out. He says, I won't. Um, she's pregnant, and I wasn't a participant in that. And then finally, he says, I will. God puts a dream um, in his heart, in his mind, and Joseph says, I will. Mary says, I can't. I'm a virgin. But I will because I'm going to trust God. And let me ask you a question, knowing that there's a vast group of people in this place this morning, and we're all at different places in this journey of faith. We're all at different places and markers of life. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is your response when God drops something into your heart, when God speaks to you, when God even this morning calls you to respond? Because all of us get three options. I can't, I won't, or I will. I mean, the, the can't plays out like this. How can God use someone like me? Um, how could God want to do something like that in me because He's good and He's perfect, and man, I am a long ways from that. It plays out in the fact of the I won't statement. Man, I don't need God. I'm, I'm self-made, I'm, I'm stubborn, I'm whatever. I won't. Or the I will. Man, I need to be in right relationship with God. Um, every morning I wake up and there's a hole in my heart, there's something that I'm missing, there's something that I need, and I've tried to fill it with a bunch of different stuff, and 
and I need to embrace what Christmas is all about, I will. So what I want to do over the next few moments is just talk about um, our response. And I think there's some things that we need to recognize, the things that we need to see, and, and we do see in the Christmas story. And the first thought uh, this morning is this. God's plan often involves people. Just look left or right of you right now. It involves people like on your left and on your right. Why would God use people? And we won't be long in this point, but, but I think it's because I think it's really simple. Number one, I think He likes people. He, he, he loves people. Um, even the people that you find that are difficult to love, even the people that are extra grace required type people, even the people that you wonder, are they really people? Right? I mean, God loves people. And, and just to flush this out, because he, lo- the, he loves them because they are people that are made in His image. Look at it in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary was a, a nobody. If, um, if you don't know much about Mary, she was a nobody in her culture. And God chose to bring his son into the world through the likes of Mary. And I read that over and over again, and I'm like, what's up with that? Because that's not how you and I would probably do it. And you come to this conclusion, God still uses people. Just like He used Mary. He, he uses you. He comes to and He, he moves through ordinary people. I, I was thinking about this, just trying to think of, a, of an illustration. And, and my mind went back to the summer, back in June. The, the, our students had just gotten back from uh, youth camp. And we had the speaker here, Ty Buckingham, on a Sunday morning, Sunday night. And, and on Sunday, after Sunday night service, um, everyone cleared out and went home. And it was just me, Robin, and Ty. And we were just talking and, and just uh, talking about the day and what the Lord had done and, and just thinking about the future and whatnot and Robin was like hey hey Ty uh, could you uh, could you pray for me and I've shared this story before but but it just so fits how God uses people because Ty is in his he's maybe 30 if that uh, first time dad Um, he's coming back in in October uh, of 23 but but um, he's like you look at Ty and and, uh, you're just like well man he's like just Tall, skinny guy with a beard. Nothing special, right? And Robin's like, hey, Ty, would you, would you pray for me? Um, a little over 10 years ago, I was in a car wreck, and I have, I've had uh, neck pain that is, doesn't go away. It's just always there. Most people don't know, but, man, it just drives me crazy. And so Ty was like, yeah, absolutely. So right back there, right back by the, the guest connections table, just the three of us in this place, no fanfare, no music, nothing. Um, Ty prays for Robin. 
And he says, amen. And he says, how do you feel? Robin's like, ah, I don't know. Well, let's pray again. Ty prays for Robin again. And, and amen, how do you feel? I don't know. Um, little, I don't know, you know. I don't know. I know how I want to feel, but I'm, I, I, you know. And he says, well, let's pray again. And prays for her three times. And um, this tall, lanky dude wearing skinny jeans and a black T-shirt and God moves through Ty and he heals Robin. And since that point, Robin's like, man, I have not had neck pain unless you're doing something, Steve, that's bothering me. You know, I have not had any of that phys- physical neck, pa- neck pain at all. And the whole point is, is that God uses ordinary people. This plan of God seems shocking in some ways. God's plan involves human beings. And He sees Himself in us. Us that are made in His image. And Mary says to the angel, I can't, I'm a virgin. God says, we can work around that. And Mary says, be it unto you. I will. And you and I are part of God's plan for someone else. Right? This, this, this Christmas season. Man, may we please, Lord, help us to live slow enough in the coming days that when we are working our way through the parking lot, when we're working our way through the store, when we're sitting around a table with a family member that we've not seen for a long time, Lord, help us to be sensitive to You that that when those moments would come and we have opportunity to be used by You, we will say, I will. I was thinking of a, a friend's testimony this week. Um, that they had shared with me and, and I was just being nosy asking for some details and, and they had received a blessing un, unbeknownst to them. They received a miracle as, as they had um, gone out to the mailbox or whatever and, and there was a package there that they weren't expecting and, and within that package it, it, it provided this incredible like nudge of, hey, I'm here with you. I'm with you, and I'm going to take care of you. And, and the, the miracle provided financially, but also it provided with the upcoming temperatures some warmth because it provided the ability for them to, to purchase a coat. Because the snow's coming. Glory, hallelujah. You want, I could start dancing like on that video real quick, just thinking about that. Second, <laughs> secondly, God cares about our relationships. You see this in the Christmas story, even the broken ones. In the Christmas story, we see the tension of strained relationships. Joseph was upset, and rightly so. At least at first news, rightly, before first news, rightly so. How many of you know, just, this is free, okay? Um, Best not to react to first reports until you get the whole story, right? But nonetheless, that would have been difficult, a difficult first report for Joseph. I mean, you see it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. 
His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people of their sins. Didn't our kids say some of that, something about that, right? Who thinks Joseph would have woke up that morning going, What in the world was that? I mean, this is huge. God cared about the relationship between Joseph and Mary. Joseph is going, all of a sudden, because of God's interaction with him, because of sending the angel, Joseph is now going, man, Mary was telling the truth. She wasn't imagining things. The Pop-Tarts weren't bad. This just tells us that God cares about relationship. And so he shows up and communicates to Joseph. And I can't help as I, as, again, as I was preparing this this week, I just closed my eyes for a moment and I, I thought about, about people in our congregation um, where some of your relationships were and where they are today. I think of homes that were of chaos and they are becoming homes of health. Because God cares about relationships. Let me ask you an honest question. Have you ever had a problem with God? Have you ever wanted to question God about something? I mean, like, give your advice, give your counselor to the wonderful counselor. So here's... Um, my issue with my finite mind as I think about the Christmas story, it seems like God could have done some pre-communication, if you will. I mean, if I was writing it, I would have been like, you know, bef- you know we're going to send an angel to Mary and let her know, but before we do that, let's send one with jo- to Joseph beforehand just to kind of prep a little bit and, because we know how he's going to respond to Mary coming to him. So Joseph is planning on pulling the plug on the relationship, right? I mean, that's what we read. There's this tension now in their relationship. They're trying to wrap their minds around life without each other. As Joseph is thinking, man, we have been together for a while, and I am, I'm, I, this event happened, Mary said this thing happened, and I'm going I'm I'm to divorce her quietly because I, I love her, but, but man, if she's pregnant, I'm, it's not my kid, and I don't know how to handle that. And so I'm just going to leave the relationship quietly. How many know stress is present leading into the first Christmas? Why didn't God communicate earlier? Why didn't He just send Jesus on a cloud like angel soft babies or something to Joseph, you know, and just say, hey, this is a picture of your life in the coming months. Mary's going to be pregnant with child, and, um, and I need you to help carry out my plan. 
Why didn't he send the angel earlier to tell him? And, and then Mary walks in and, and says, Joseph, hey, I need you to sit down. I need to have conversation with you. I need to unload something on you. It's really heavy, but it's really powerful. And, um, you know, we need to talk. An angel came to me, Joseph, and told me that I'm going to have a baby, even though I'm a virgin and we've never been together. And, and Joseph could have leaned back in his recliner and popped the, the leg rest up and said, I know, babe, it's all good. Angel already came to me. I know, I know what God's doing. It's, it's good. How many guys in here would say, that would be really nice, right? Mary would have been, say, would have been going to say, what? God could have done that, but here's the point. Sometimes God lets us go down the road and a little further down that road so we feel maybe the pain, we feel sorrow, so that we dig deeper. And Joseph was going to have to do some examination, and if it didn't happen this way, I would submit to you that his trust in Mary and in himself would not have grown. Every relationship that you have with people, they are important to God. Some of us aren't too excited about perhaps who you're going to be spending time with in the next couple days because that, that one uncle is coming. Or, or those little kids are coming into your house and it's been a long time since you've had little kids running around your house and everything is in perfect place right now and you know chaos is coming. Isn't it awesome having the kids in here today? They're doing an awesome job. Love them. But you know that in the coming days you're going to be spending time with someone who there's, there's tension there. God cares about that relationship. God might just use you to start the process of healing. What's your response? I can't. I won't. Or I will. We get that choice. The choice to at least do our part in the relationship to make sure that the, that the end of our stick is clean. So, Plant those seeds of reconciliation. Reconciliation, You never know what can blossom in the future if we do that, right? Do you know what we learn from this heaven-to-earth reality? God wants to be smack dab in the middle of your mess. Right? I mean, I laugh. Um, a couple days ago, I was at the gym, and um, I was up at the counter, uh, as we were doing the 12 days of Christmas, we got a, a, one of the thing, gifts was um, a membership at Hornet Fitness. And so I was there purchasing that, and there was conversation going on. And, and um, man, I'm a pastor. I never have a bad thought. I never am tempted to say words that I shouldn't say. And we're having conversation around, around the counter, right? And, 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 um, and talking about the events of, of, uh, of Valley Center in the last couple of weeks and, and, and everything. And, and man, one of, the, one of the individuals was just like, you know, 
vocabulary rich. We'll just put it that way. Right? And I'm just like sitting there going, I get it. Not talking that way, but I get it. And it was just like talking about a messy situation. And that's exactly the type of situations God's willing to come into. Let's be right in the middle of the mess because that's where He wants to be. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. Third thought, God is greater than our physical limitations. This thought is is important because it deals with Mary's virginity. This is a divine miracle. The only way she could remain in that state is to conceive uh, and conceive is by what? By a miracle. Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Mary asked the angel, it's a fair question, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Good enough reason, right? Verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. I look at that text. I mean, we looked at this last week in our message. And this week I'm pondering it from a diff, trying to get a different angle on it. And some, the thought went through my mind was, does Mary even believe the angel? I mean, you look at her response, right? She doesn't go, OMG, I'm giving birth to the Son of God. It's more like, whatever. I mean, she's a teenager after all, right? I mean, look at everything you said, whatever. I mean, she, she didn't say, I own this at this point. She said, I'm a virgin. How can it be? You said this, whatever this overshadow thing means, you said it. What my idea wasn't my plan. I don't see how it work could work, but you said it. She doesn't fully get it. You don't always how many know you don't always have to get it. God's plan is bigger than yours. He is His ways are higher than our ways. God is bigger than your ability to comprehend. Um, It would be nice if it could always we could always comprehend it. We could. It would be nice if we knew every step of the way, and every road sign, and every marker along the way. Right? It would be nice if God operated like Apple Maps, and He would just drop a pin, and and then you're off. One point. Three, five miles is your next turn in this journey of faith. It would be awesome if it would work that way. But God's plan requires faith. I believe when I don't see. I trust when I don't know. I step when it doesn't make sense. That it would move from I can't, I won't, to I will. Mary knew that God was greater than her comprehension, greater than his education, greater than her experiences, greater than her doubt, greater than her fear, greater than her concerns. And guess what? He is greater than yours 
as well. And my question to each and every one of us is, will we say, I will? Number four, here comes heaven, or uh, heaven comes to earth. Verse six, Luke chapter two. And while they were there, a lot happened in that statement, right? There's the census. They traveled 60 miles approximately, nine months pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there was shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, and you will, re- uh, and you will recognize him By this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of clothes, lying in a manger. God said, why don't we start with the shepherds in delivering this message? That this message is for all people, all times, all places. It's so, so important because if you know anything about the shepherds, they, they were the outcasts. They were those that you didn't want to be, you didn't want to be around. They, they, they weren't welcome at the table of society, if you will. And God says, let's start there because this message is for all people. This reality, this Christmas reality involves all the cosmos, the stars, the wise men who followed the stars, choirs of angels. It's the spiritual world and the natural world colliding. And you're there too. You're involved in this story because you're part of the all. You're part of the why. You're the reason for the Christmas story. You're you're in the John 3.16 statement. You're part of this world. If the worship team would come as we wrap this up, I just want to end it this way with this true story. And it paints for us a powerful picture of heaven to earth and the love of God, the love that God has for humanity. It's a true story of a young woman perhaps you've heard it before, who was raised in a small town outside Rio de Janeiro. Christina had always longed to experience the the bright lights in the party atmosphere of Brazil's famous city. But her mother often warned her of, no, you don't want to go there, you can't go there, I won't let you go there. The unemployment is extremely high. There are many places in that city that that wouldn't be safe for a young woman. Please, please, please don't go. Christina didn't listen. One day she packed her bags and secretly took off to the city. Terrified of what might happen to her daughter, Christina's mother set out to find her. And she searched the vast city in vain. Fearing the worst, she visited some of Rio's sleaziest establishments 
hardest, darkest areas of that city. And on the walls of these places, she pinned a photo of herself. And on the back side of that picture, she wrote a message pleading to her daughter to come home with these words, whatever you have done, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Christina did eventually find herself employed in one of the brothels of Rio. She was too ashamed to go home, even if she wanted to. She was unsure her mother would take her back. One day, Christina was stumbling down the stairwell of one of these places, and she noticed upon the wall a photo of her mother. She grabbed the image and she, she pulled it off the wall and she read the message on the back. And in that moment, gazing down at her mother's image, her confusion evaporated. The photo said it all and she returned home at once. And you know, that story paints such an incredible picture of what Christmas is all about. The doctrine of Christ's divinity, the doctrine, the truth of Emmanuel, God with us, the message of Christmas declares that God has left a photo of Himself to the world. From the first century to the 21st century, Christians have claimed that in the life and the teaching and the miracles, the death and the resurrection of Christ, we see God. In the words of the New Testament hymn written in, to, the, to the letter of Philippi, Paul writes in the, 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 Philippian, the book of Philippians, he is the, in, he is the image of the invisible God. Christ's life, in other words, clarifies the character and the intentions of our Creator. So as you walk through this Christmas season, make sure you gaze upon the picture of the One whom the season is all about. Let me ask you a question. It doesn't matter how many times or how familiar you are to the Christmas, Christmas message. It says, what, what's your response? I can't. I won't. Or I will. See, we've talked this morning that God's plan involves people. God cares about our relationships. And God is greater than our physical limitations. And most importantly, heaven comes to earth as we started today with this statement about Christmas. It's about God coming to our place, Emmanuel, God with us, taking our place, being that 
ransom. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Because sin has separated, sin has marred us, built this chasm, and the only way to fill in that chasm, if you will, is through God sending His Son. So He sent His Son to our place, took our place, so that we can go to His place. That's the Christmas story. That's the gift. That's the good news of the Gospel. And if you're here today, and maybe that's the first time you've heard that, maybe you've heard it before, and and something's just radiating within your heart in a different way this morning, and and you have a choice. What are you going to do with it? I can't. I'm not worthy. Christmas would say, "Uh uh-uh, you are worthy. See the picture. Or you may say, I won't. You won't be the first one that says that. You won't be the last one. But I pray and I beg that you don't stay there. May you move to the last response. I will. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, we thank you for this great day. We thank you for your special love. God, I thank you for everyone who made this day possible, for the Keens, for their decorating our facilities, and um, for Vicki Arrington making the cinnamon rolls and all the efforts, and for Randy welcoming, welcoming us outside with Christmas carols to the worship team and their efforts. But God, mostly, most importantly, thank you. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming to our place, for taking our place so that we can go to your place. And as the kids tried so well to comprehend what heaven will be like, our words don't do justice. But the book of Revelations tells us a little bit about what it's going to be like. There's not going to be any need for the sun because the glory of God's going to shine forth and light it up. There's not going to be any more tears. There's not going to be any more sorrow. There's not going to be any more pain. There's not going to be any more grief. It's going to be perfect. And it all begins with the Christmas story. So if there's anyone here this today that needs to say, I will. Jesus, I will receive this gift of eternal life through you in this place. May my life be different. May Christmas be different this year. If you're here and you'd say, Steve, I want to do that. I want to receive Christ. I want to receive this gift that God has given me. I'd love the privilege to pray for you this morning. Just right where you're at, if that's you, you say, man, see, would you pray for me? I want to I receive this gift that Christ has provided. I would know his love, his forgiveness, and I would have my reservations for heaven, if you will. Would you just slip up your hand right where you're at? I'd love the privilege of praying, praying for you, praying over you. Seeing those hands. God, right where we're at, young and old, 
God, it's a holy moment. God, this is a moment that Luke chapter 15 tells us that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner, when one lost person, when one person makes a decision and says, I will to you, Jesus. I will follow you. I will receive this gift of eternal life. So God, right where they're at, in their own words, in this holy moment, God, they would just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I don't want to walk in my way. I want to walk in your way. I want to follow you. I want to know you. Now and for all eternity. Be my Lord, my Savior. On this Christmas Sunday, we pray. In Jesus' holy name. And God, for the rest of us who are facing decisions and maybe relational opportunities that we'll have in the coming days to be at the table, be in a room with someone that we've clashed with through the years or through the months. God, I pray that our prayer to you leading into that that time and our prayer to you after that time would be, God, I will. I know relationships are important to you, Lord. They're important to me, and I will be part of the solution. I know that it's not all on me, but it what I'm responsible for, God, I, I will. So have your way. May I love that person like I've never loved them before. May I speak to that person and they would hear that love in my voice. They would see it in my countenance. God, maybe that's someone's prayer. Be it unto you, God. Be it unto you, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. This concludes the teaching. Thank you for listening, and we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Raines.